Hello there, and welcome to the Rhode Island Youth Mental Health Webinar Series. This week's topic, Coping with Loss During COVID-19, presented by Francis Delumba. Remember, your feedback is important to us. Please fill out the survey in the description down below for your chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you. Welcome everyone, and thank you for attending the 10th live offering of our fall webinar series, Coping with Loss During COVID-19 with Francis DeLomba. I'm Colleen Judge, I'm Director of School-Based Services for Rhode Island Student Assistance Services. This series is brought to you by RISAS with funding from the Rhode Island Department of Health and focuses on youth mental health, trauma, and the unique role that parents educators and communities play in fostering resilience in youth. Please sign in with your name, your affiliation and role. Located below this video, you will see a description box with links to our website and Facebook page where we will let you know when more content like this will be released. In addition, don't forget to complete the post survey. By completing the survey, you'll have the ability to receive a certificate of completion CEUs and be entered into a drawing to win a $100 gift card. Before introducing our presenter, I just want to tell you about our next webinar scheduled for December 1st. My colleague Diane Ferrara and I will be presenting Talk, They Hear You. It's about talking with your teen about alcohol, drugs, and choices. We hope to see you on December 1st for that important parent discussion. To register for these and our other webinars, go to our website at www.risas.org. We're extremely fortunate to bring you Francis DeLumba. Ms. DeLumba is a Dominican-American, bilingual, Spanish, BIPOC, female, and first-generation college graduate. She is a licensed clinical social worker who's worked with children, youth, and families for over 20 years. Earning a BSW and MSW from Rhode Island College, She's had the opportunity to work in psychiatric, educational, and community settings. Her experience has been working with adolescents and their families who suffer from anxiety, depression, mood disorders, trauma, grief, and loss. Francis welcomes questions during the webinar. Um, so please feel free to put your questions in the chat as we go along. Um, and you know, without further ado, I will turn this over to Francis DeLumba. Well, welcome everyone. And thank you for taking the time to join me to talk about something, you know, that it's not very easy to talk about sometimes, but I think given 2020, it was thrown at us up close and personal. So if you guys have any questions as I'm talking, feel free to ask, and I'm happy to answer them. As Colleen said, um, I am a clinical social worker. I work for the Bradley School in Providence. Um, and all of the things that she had mentioned are things that we deal with pretty much on the daily with our students, our families. And as we are trying to get through this COVID pandemic, we're seeing some families coming out of it and we're seeing some families really struggling with, with a lot of things. So I'm glad our objectives tonight are to recognize the physical and the psychological symptoms associated with grief. Also, you know, I hope that you guys are able to identify losses that have nothing to do with death, 
And you will also learn one, one to three mindfulness um, coping strategies. I like this uh, slide because it just shows whether it's expected or unexpected. And I think 2020 brought us a lot of unexpected losses. You know, the grieving process is not the same for everybody. I think, you know, everyone can agree to that. We are prepared to deal with grief as early as childhood. You know, I wish I could see you guys because I could, I like to see your faces when you see, you know, if you remember these movies and when we were kids, we didn't really recognize what was going on when it came to those themes of, of, you know, death and dying, but you'd certainly see it in Bambi. You certainly see it in Charlotte's Web, The Lion King, Nemo. So again, we've been prepared since the early age. Now more than ever, some of the things that we worry about that you never thought would, you know, come to mind is our sense of normalcy, normalcy, (laughs) say that three times, and structure. Uh, A lot of us had problems with, you know, job or financial losses. Not able to see our families was such an issue. The whole sheltering in place, I thought I was going to lose my mind. Um, Missing school, work, social time with friends and family, the canceled plans and trips and celebrations. My daughter graduated high school in 2020, and it definitely wasn't what we expected. Her graduation was 20 minutes, and they... They gave us an appointment. We walked to the stage. They let the parents at the bottom of the stage while she walked and we took pictures. It was definitely not what we expected. Um, you know, missing those those milestones like you you've dreamed, you know, your the whole time your kids are in school. And again, not being able to be with family. And then when we lost some family members and friends, not being able to say goodbye in our traditional way. Um, so to me, those were all things that we were faced with in 2020 and, and still continue for the most part. Some examples of grief and loss that sometimes we don't even realize, you know, when we lose a job, you you lose your sense of, again, that word normalcy. You lose your sense of autonomy, that, that structure. Um, when we switch careers, again, you know, there's a loss. You're leaving folks behind. Um, when you retire, you lose that that uh, routine, a divorce, you know, that can be looked upon as as a loss. Um, and people grieve when they're going through divorces. You know, I am a firm believer that when you're in a divorce, you go through the grieving stages. And when you finally decide to divorce, in my opinion, it's because you've come to acceptance, <laughs> you know, miscarriages, relocating to another state, your kids leaving. I went through the empty nest. Um, My daughter is in college in North Carolina. Miss her every day. But one of the positive things about social media is that now we have FaceTime. Another example, death of a pet. You know, pets are important to a lot of people and they're treated like family. I work for Lifespan. As you guys know, um, the Bradley schools fall under the lifespan umbrella. And this year in our benefit package, they're finally giving people with pets um, insurance. (laughs) So that's wonderful. Again, loss of a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, these are all unexpected losses, um, especially when someone is diagnosed with an illness, not something that you expected and you grieve what you thought your life was going to be like. Are you feeling grief and loss? 
we know that grief is both universal and a very personal experience. Everyone experience, well, you may experience um, certain emotions, but not everyone experiences them in the same manner. And we always hear about the stages of grief. And again, those stages, people do not experience them, you know, in order. It varies. And the one of the important things is recognizing the pain of grief and how it impacts your physical health, your mental health, your eating and sleeping, uh, concentration, and having strong feelings about all those changes and transitions, the that uncertainty. Those are all things that you know people experience when they experience a loss or, or a grieving a loss. Complicated grief is a little different. This is when you're going through all of these emotions and it impacts your functioning. It, you're unable to focus on anything other than you know the left, the death of that loved one. Um, you have very intense feelings over the death of, of that loved one, intense reminders of the death, um, intense sadness, pain, detachment. Uh, and it gets to the point where it's difficult for you to function, to, to get yourself out of bed and go to work. That's what we call complicated grief. And, you know, one of the, the one of the characteristics is also, you know, having self-destructive behavior. Um, such as turning to drugs and alcohol to cope and suicidal ideation. You know, we, we worry about that. And, you know, if anyone knows of someone that's experiencing that, I add the, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline where anyone can speak to a professional. Again, if anyone, if any of these symptoms discussed begin to impact you or impair your everyday functioning, I encourage you to please seek help. And at the end of the slides, I do have some phone numbers, um, some resources for you guys that you can um, jot down. So people always talk about the, the five stages of grief, the five stages of coping with a death, also five stages of grief. And this is something that it was actually discovered um, or introduced to the world by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And this was something that was used, you know, to, to talk to family members um, when they were going through the different adjustments, different stages, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied, you know, going through these losses with their families. And again, it, when they came up with it, it wasn't meant to be used for bereavement, but they realized that people found it helpful. So people apply it over and over and, you know, Everyone is pretty much familiar with these stages, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, and finally the acceptance. And, you know, earlier I was talking about divorce and I feel like, you know, you're in denial at first, you get angry, you try to fix it by the bargaining, then you get upset about it, and then you finally <laughs> accept it. So uh, these stages can be used in different areas of our lives. Grieving is a healthy and normal response to loss. I've never met anyone who hasn't been able to agree that, you know, when they've lost somebody or something that they go through the grieving process, you know, and it's past losses and grief experiences may feel more present um, during this time. And especially during COVID, 
uh, not being able to um, be around your loved ones, that was very difficult for people. You know, people can experience grief. It varies in your day to day. And it's also influenced by, you know, how close were you with, with the person? And it also depends on, you know, your own mental health and physical state. Um, and these are all normal reactions to loss. So caring for yourself is definitely important. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about self-care, but it definitely will lessen the intensity of the reaction. So some physical and psychological symptoms, and this is when I wish we were more interactive because I'd like to hear from you guys, you know, what are some of the physical and psychological symptoms that you've experienced, but anyone's reaction to loss can be physical and or psychological. It's not uncommon to experience some of this intense emotion you know, the longing, the crying, the dreaming of the loved ones, all of these characteristics of, of deep loss um, is common. Um, some people have a loss of interest and they get confused and disorganized, unable to concentrate. Uh, a lot of us are still in, in disbelief. In 2018, I had lost a, a girlfriend who, you know, it's been a few years and I'm still in disbelief that this really happened because this person was so young. And to this day, when I think about her, like I'm still like, it, it, I feel it in my gut. Like I still can't believe that she's not here um, because that was an unexpected loss. Some people, as far as psychological, they have fleeting hallucinatory experiences. Um, they withdraw, they avoid, or they can overreact. Um, and if you know anyone that's going through these, th these are the times to seek help. You know, some people say they feel numb, they feel relief, sadness. And again, I think it's all related to, you know, whether it was a expected loss or unexpected loss. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, if someone is um, a little older and, you know, they come down with something, you know that eventually it's going to lead to, you know, loss of life. So that's a little bit, not that loss is easy, but it's a little bit easier to bear than, for example, losing a child. That's an unexpected loss. How do we tell if your child is grieving or a student? These are some of the signs Then you know, I mentioned them earlier the difficulty concentrating. And this can go not just for children, but for adults too. Uh, the difficulty concentrating, not being able to sleep. You'll see with children, especially the cleanliness, the anxiety, feeling abandoned, developmental regression. You'll see kids, for example, what go back to wetting the bed when they, they never did that or hadn't done that in a long time. Um, changes in behavior and how they play, um, you know, they can start playing a little rough, uh, you know, so those are all signs that your child could be still grieving and feelings of guilt. Um, you know, was it because I was mean to grandma? Did she leave because I, I was mean to grandma? So all things to, to look out for. Some behavioral reactions, which we mentioned in the previous slide, um, if kids start acting out, Talking back, you know, teenagers might be more withdrawn um, or show some riskier behaviors as drugs, alcohol. You know, now we deal with kids vaping in schools or trying to vape in schools. Uh, 
the drinking. Guilt is very common for kids. They blame themselves. And like I said earlier, the difficulty concentrating becomes a problem. So, you know, that's something that teachers also look for. So if you have let your your students teacher know that you had a loss in the family, these are things that they'll be looking for. You know, any behavioral changes in school, difficulty concentrating, um, you know, how are their peer relations in school since, since the loss? So how do we keep sane? How do we uh, take care of ourselves? I'm a big uh, proponent. I'm a big encourager of self-care um, because if we don't take care of ourselves, we won't be able to take care of our kids, our husbands, our wives, our partners, you know, our coworkers, uh, the people that we supervise. So trying to stay regulated is important. And how do we do that? We create a routine. We try to get back to a routine, um, incorporate some healthy habits around the eating, sleeping, exercising, going for, for walks, managing information. You know, I encourage people to stop watching all the news outlets because that can be very overwhelming. Hearing about all this negativity all day long is not healthy. So I totally encourage people to decrease the amount of time they spend uh, listening or watching the news. And, you know, if you're using substances, you know, some people come home and have a drink after dinner or a glass of wine with dinner. You know, if it starts, if you notice that you start having more than one, more than two glasses, and you start kind of self-medicating to numb that pain, that's a sign that you need to seek professional help. So these are the, the strategies that I wanted you guys to, to learn tonight. And this is part of DBT, which is something that we use in our school. Um, it's dialect, dial, oh, dialectical behavioral therapy. And this was something that was created by a psychiatrist, Marsha Linehan, and it was created to work with you know, her borderline patients, um, the whole DBT. Again, some of these skills are very useful to other areas in mental health. If you look at, please, you know, treat is treat physical illness and take medication as prescribed. So this is something that we can do for ourselves. We wanna balance eating in order to avoid mood swings because we all know that if you don't eat, sometimes you can get hangry. We want to avoid mood alterating substances. We wanna maintain good sleep so that we can enjoy life. I know that if I don't get at least six hours, I am extremely cranky. And getting to exercise and maintain high spirits. I don't get to exercise that much, but I try to maintain my high spirits in other ways. Distress tolerance, self-care with the five senses. This is something we use a lot when people are feeling anxious. We also call it a grounding technique. And you know, when you're feeling overwhelmed, we encourage you to take a step back and, and get grounded. You know, sit in a chair, put your feet to the ground and, and get yourself as comfortable as you can. And just try to take in what you see. Try to take in what you're touching. Maybe you're touching the, the arms of the chair. You know, what is it that you hear? What do you taste? 
uh, do you have gum in your mouth or, you know, and what do you smell? So those are the, the five um, senses. And we use that a lot with our kids that experience high anxiety, that experience mood, um, even depression. Um, these are, this is a, a nice little technique that anybody can use. Staying connected while we're social distancing. So more tips on how to get through this pandemic, this sense of, of loss is, you know, thank goodness for social media. That's one of the positive things that we can at least stay connected with phone calls, Facebook, um, trying to engage in, in the community if you're able to, um, and paying attention to our emotions. Uh, very, very important. You know, approaching things with, with compassion. Um, I think that's a word that a lot of people have seemed to forget. Just being compassionate and paying it forward. And, you know, we talked about the, the grounding technique. So again, using those senses, um, you know, what are five things that you see? What color are they? Name four things that you hear, three things that you can feel or touch. What's two things that you can smell? What's one thing that you can taste? That's another spin on, on that grounding technique. So how do we become friends with grief? We embrace it. We allow ourselves to feel that pain. Because if you don't, it's not going to go away. You know, and like I wrote, the feeling of pain and despair is not going to go away, but we can choose how we respond to it. Uh, again, whether it's expected or unexpected grief or loss, grief, the grieving process is the same but the stages people experience them differently. And no one can tell you how to grieve. It's something that you have to go through yourself. It takes time. And all we can do is seek support from people that we care about. And again, do not let anyone tell you to get over it. That's the worst thing you can say to somebody. And being a better listener, being aware of your feelings, and know that you can't solve um, you know, everyone's problems. These are all ways of embracing loss. So these are some resources, guys, virtual support groups, resources, the Hope Health Organization. If you call or go online, you'll get a lot of good information. Same with Community Connections. The Samaritans of Rhode Island, they have a hotline. Um, again, you can talk to your PCP, if you go on this website, it gives you um, information on support groups. This organization is in Warwick and they use this website, uh, their listing of, of support groups. <laughs> this is a podcast that folks can look up, again, dedicated to addressing grief, providing actionable takeaways. Uh, agency in Warwick, I thought I had put it on here, is Friends Way. Um, they're very... Uh, they, they're actually one of the, the agencies that's really well known in Rhode Island that deals with um, grief and loss. Um, they deal with children and their families. They have groups for the kids. Um, and they also, I believe they have groups for adults. If anyone needs assistance, the BH link, that's a 24-7 hotline. Um, it's Behavior Health Link. And you can call them and they will guide you. Um, not just with grief and loss, but any kind of um, mental health issue that you may be having. And they have a number for under 18 and over 18. 
oh, this was the agency I was talking about, Friends Way. They're members of the National Alliance of Grieving Children, and they're located in Warwick. Um, but if you go on their website, they have a lot of good information that's very useful. Okay, these are my references. I think that's it, guys. I was hoping we have questions. Any question, guys? Any comments? Hi, everyone. Feel free to turn on your cameras. Ask any questions. Turn on your cameras. Let me see your faces. <laughs> Not everyone. I know, I know. Um, those were excellent resources. I, I know about Friends Way. They're a fantastic organization. Um, I hadn't heard of the Dougie Center, so that was something new. Mm. I heard that the one of the th clinicians from Friends Way is going into private practice. So I think that's going to be really great. Um, I don't have the information, but I... I think it's called Rhode Island Counseling. I'm sorry, Rhode Island Grief Center. Um, his name is uh, Ryan Lozell. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, anyone that's in that field is, is great. Yes. Anyone have any questions, concerns? Has anybody experienced, you know, what we talked about tonight? How did you handle it? Um, you know, did you help someone ex that experienced something like this go through, um, you know, any feedback? People are like, I just want my dinner and see you's. <laughs> It's a hard topic. It, it always is. And I, I have to say, I really appreciated that you included the dialectic behavior therapy skills um, because, you know, we use them a lot with um, mental health. And we don't always think about it for grief, but I certainly am one of the people who, when I'm grieving, will kind of dissociate with kind of, you know, that numb feeling. And so a grounding technique can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. I actually have... Um... I got it on Etsy and, you know, they, you can download these cards and I have them and we laminated them and cut them and I punched holes, uh, a hole in it and we made keychains, you know, um, so that my students can have them at their desk when they're feeling like um, some anxiety coming on. So they can actually just flip through and it gives you all kinds of, um, techniques. And There's so, a question uh, here. Um, is there a time period as to how long grief lasts? I, I know it's different for everyone. She writes, That's it is. It really is different for everybody. And again, I think it depends on how, again, you know, was it expected? Was it um, unexpected grief? How long, um, you know, how emotionally connected are you with the person? Um, you know, and I can only speak for myself. I know that when um, my my parents divorced when, when I was a kid, um, but they were always in my life. And I recognized that when my, I expected my mom to go first because she was sick. Um, but my dad ended up going first um, because he came down with colon cancer. And my dad was always you know, healthy, strong. Um, so when that happened, that was so unexpected. And it, it went so quickly. He went to the hospital uh, Christmas Eve. 
and came out saying, you know, you're going to have hospice. And we were like, what? Excuse me? Um, so when he passed, it was so, like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it because I just didn't expect it. Um, and that was a, a difficult loss. Um, and not saying that it wasn't difficult with my mom, but with my mom, I was always there with her. You know, I was that caretaker. So I knew, okay, this this is expected. This is what's going to happen, you know, because she's not doing A, B, and C. So again, it just depends on on the relationship and how connected you are with the person. We have a couple of comments um, from yeah, comments. Love comments. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging different types of grief, which was a slide at the beginning of the presentation because there are so many grief experiences. Oh, definitely. And that's why I had put in the, I'm sorry, you guys, that it didn't come through the, um, the Welcome to Holland poem, um, you know, working in, in mental health, sometimes, especially with, with um, children and adolescents. Um, you know, when I read that poem, it reminded me, I had a client, um, I had a student who, he had a psychotic break. Um, he was in high school and his parents, he was a, a football player. You know, they had all these expectations for their son, but senior year, he had a psychotic break and he was hallucinating and, um, you know, talking to himself. And when we ever told them that, you know, your son has schizophrenia, oh my God, they could not, it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so they went through that loss of what they expected that child to be like, you know, so we had to go through that process with them. So there's lots of different types of losses. Like I said, I have, uh, my daughter's now 19 and she's in college and, you know, you have your kids, you raise them and you'll eventually, yeah, they're going to college. You know, that's what we all hope for. But when it happens, you're like, what? <laughs> and you know, after living with someone for 18 years and then, you know, you put them on a plane and you come back and I wake up, you know, that next week and I'm like, it was such a sense of loss. And it's like, why am I feeling like this? Oh my God, I, do I miss her that much? <laughs> but needless to say, she calls me every other day. <laughs> so yes, there's lots of different things. I remember... I'm not married any longer, but my father-in-law, when he retired, he didn't know what to do with himself. He did not know what to do with himself because he had such a routine. You know, he knew he had to get up by this time, out the house by this time, work from seven to three, you know, come home. So that was a huge loss for him, that loss of camaraderie with his uh, coworkers, routine. Um, yeah. Was there yeah, another? Yeah, thank you here too. For, thank you for the techniques of coping with sadness and anxiety. Oh. Um, and a question from Bethany about: Are we going to get a copy of the slides? Um, because um, she works at a middle school as a nurse tech, and that some of those techniques could be shared with the kids. So we will make sure that um, we will. We have your emails, um, particularly oh, if you fill out this survey. Um, you know, you, if you complete the survey, you also have a, the possibility of getting a certificate of completion, CEUs, win a $100 gift card, and 
we will have your email so we can send you the slides. Awesome. Thank you. And Bethany, one of the things that you can do, um, I used to work in a middle school as well. Um, you can do a, um, oh my God, um, what is it called? It's, it's like a, a time capsule um, with your students and they put in things um, that, you know, reminds them of the person they lost or, um, oh, there's a name for the box. I can't think of it, but it's, it's just like a little um, time capsule and, you know, they can put, they can write little thoughts and pictures or they can bring things in and you just put it away. Um, but it's something that they do and it's, it's unique to them. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. A question from Katie. Is there a certain point that we should be concerned about someone if they're still experiencing severe grief? Yes. And hi, Katie, I just see your picture, but it's nice to put the face to the name. <laughs> um, I always say, I think when it gets to the point where the grief is impacting their functioning. And what I mean by that is, you know, you see a change in, in their routine. They no longer um, are able to get up in the morning like they used to and, you know, get to work. Um, they, they're not sleeping. They're not eating. All those things impact your functioning. So that's when, you know, I think you need to seek help. Um, and you can start with your PCP um, and go from there. Thank you. You're welcome. And some references to the poem, just some references to the poem, which, uh, you know, that the Holland poem, I think um, Constance knows about that. I have seen it. It's wonderful. <laughs> and I think just um, a question about a memory box. That's thank you. <laughs> what was the question? Just uh, uh, from Katie, um, uh, just says memory box. So, oh, that's what I was referring to when I was telling Bethany a uh, memory box. I couldn't think of oh, the memory box. Yeah, yes, memory box. So, yeah, but no, I very much enjoyed um, having this. I prefer to see your faces, but I know with Zoom it's a little difficult. Um, and we have these at at Bradley, and we have to we have to show our faces. <laughs> You guys know, but they make us show our faces <laughs> so that the person isn't talking to, you know, a blank screen with X's on it. <laughs> yes, so. and Francis, there was so much loss in the last year and a half just oh. around that and the contact. I know I was in charge of training of our counselors and we had 50 or more counselors and we used to gather together and connect and having to do it on Zoom like this was, it was hard. This is, this is difficult. So the yeah, that was a huge change. Imagine the distance learning. Oh my God, it was terrible. Very. So, but no, you guys. Again, hopefully things will change for the best. And you know, if I could ever do something in person when we get to that point, I would love to come back. Um, and thank you, Katie, for reaching out to me. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all for attending. Remember to complete the survey for your CEUs and your certificate of completion, $100 gift card, um, or at least a chance to win one. And then um, we hope to see you back December 1st for the webinar on talking with your teen about alcohol, drugs, and choices.
Thank you, Francis. All right, guys, have a great night. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this audio lecture and would like to hear more like it in the future, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. To find more information on RISAS, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and on our website, all down in the description below. And remember, please fill out the survey in the description down below for your chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you.